Our ancient reading is from the Book of Wisdom, chapter 1, verses 7 to 8, 12, and 15. The Spirit of the Lord indeed fills the whole world, and that which holds all things together knows every word that is said. Do not court death by the errors of your ways, nor invite destruction through your own actions. Death was not God's doing. He takes no pleasure in the extinction of the living. To be for this, he created all. The world's created things have health in them. In them, no fatal poison can be found. And Hades holds no power on earth, for virtue is undying. Our second reading is the work, the great work, Our Way into the Future by Thomas Berry. For the success or failure of any historic age is the extent to which those living at that time have fulfilled the special role that history has imposed upon them. No age lives completely unto itself. Each age, age has only what it receives from the prior generation. The great work before us, the task of moving modern industrial civilization from its present devastating influence on the earth to a more benign mode of presence is not a role that we have chosen. It is a role given to us beyond any consultation with ourselves. We did not choose. We were chosen by some power beyond ourselves for this historical task. We are, as it were, thrown into existence with a challenge and a role that is beyond our personal choice. The nobility of our lives, however, depends upon the manner in which we come to understand and fulfill our assigned roles. Yet we must believe that the, those powers that assign our role must in that same act bestow upon us the ability to fulfill our role. We must believe that we are cared for and guided by those same powers that bring us into being. Our own special role, which we will hand on to our children, is that of managing the arduous transition from the terminal Cenozoic to the emerging Ecozoic era, the period when humans will present to the planet as participating members of the comprehensive Earth community. This is our great work and the work of our children. Well, thank you for the invitation to be with you this morning and to reflect together for these few moments on some of the implications of the words we have just heard spoken. The first from the biblical texts of the Book of Wisdom, a very different orientation for who we are and why we are than the typical way of understanding the meaning of history often referred to in the theology of the Judeo-Christian world. Rather than we being a species that was simply invited into doing something good and failed and then dependent on some interference or intervention by a divine transcendent being who picks us up and puts us back on course, it suggests rather that the entire universe is infused with goodness and it permeates everything. And there is the capacity of our human um, uh, faculties to be able to reflect on that and acknowledge it, internalize it, and act out of it. And if something goes wrong, it isn't because the divine wasn't paying attention, it's because we got in the way and blocked it. And so it's a different orientation toward uh, a facet or a quality of the universe that hasn't always been dominant in the way we have thought as Western peoples. 
The second reading from Thomas Berry, who is a cultural historian and the author of The Dream of the Earth, as well as what we heard readings from the great work, suggests something very rooted in that orientation that was there in the Book of Wisdom, that the universe itself is a self-emerging, self-unfolding, self-evolving expression of a sacred mystery which we are barely coming to grips with understanding. But because you and I live in an age where we have the technical instruments to look back into deep time and deep space, we are a generation that is being offered a revelation of a different story and a different orientation about the origin of the world and its nature and how it functions and who we are and why we are and where we are at this particular moment of its ongoing evolution. And so it's in the context of seeing the universe in a very different way as a spiritual and physical reality from the very first moment when that initial energy described by Einstein came into place some 13.7 billion years ago. And it is an insight into the way that energy has expanded and moved out creating time and space and shape-shifting, bringing forth all of the forms from the most basic stellar gases to the hydrogen and helium atoms, which were the first forms to take place out of that energy, into the arrangement of that energy into the hundreds of billions of galaxies that permeate the known universe, and to the story of the stars, hundreds of billions of individuated stars inside each of these galaxies, and the role that stars play infusing that original energy and creating over the lifetime of a star all of the other elements which we as humans identify as the periodic chart of elements. Carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, iron, calcium. Our capacity now to know through looking back into deep time and space, how the very basis of everything that has come to exist on this planet was actually formed is a brand new revelation for the human community. Our ancestors couldn't have imagined or dreamed that there had been this prior immense journey of that original energy, and you, if you believe in God, it comes out of God. If you don't believe there's a God or a divine, then it just is what happened. But our insight into what has happened is opening up vast new dimensions for us to discover, to reflect on, to contemplate, 
and to bring together into a world of meaning, meaning that is going to open up new dimensions of who we are and why we are and where we are and for some insight into coming to grips with and being a transforming power through the crisis that we are experiencing on our home planet Earth. And so when Thomas Berry speaks about the fact that we didn't choose this time, we were chosen, he's opening up the possibility for us to come to a deeper realization of three things, and these are the three I would like to speak about this morning. First is our own personal identity. The second is the immensity of the context in which we are given our existence. And the third is the intimate relationship and calling given to us as we unfold our own lives at this particular time of the universe's unfolding. We know, especially since the astronauts in that courageous venture of, of the human community to, to actually break through the uh, powers of gravity and leave the planet Earth and move out into the outer space which no human in all of history ever could have imagined was even there. and which no human would have imagined could provide us with a vantage point and a perspective to look back and see Earth as it really is for the first time. And that revelation of the planet as a living organism is one of the most significant breakthroughs in our human understanding that our species has ever been given over the past two and a half million years of human existence. And we, we experience through the lenses of the photographs that were taken this image. But in all the years since, we have barely been invited into interpreting what that means. It's just been one more fact, one more image in a rapidly changing world of images and, and stimulation and understandings that have not yet been integrated into a sense of meaning. But what we have discovered, both in that image, as well as the discoveries of things like the Hubble telescope and the radio telescopes by which we are picking up the sounds of the original coming into existence of the universe, and through the realm of quantum physics, where we have gone inside the atomic structure and have broken into a realization of a dimension of existence that no one before us believed was inside what we called matter. 
physical matter. And we have discovered that what is in the interior of every physical form, whether calcium or iron or, or hydrogen, that there is a depth, that there is an interior realm that opens into vast dimensions of inner space that are active and present and participating in the actualization of what carbon is or hydrogen is or in any of the relationships of these atoms as they have taken form in the vast community of existence we call Earth. And these new insights, rarely spoken of, rarely included in our political and economic discourse, rarely brought up in the classroom or the pulpit, are some of the most significant insights that humanity has ever discovered. So in terms of identity, it suggests that this universe, 13.7 billion years old, is the self that is emerging in all of these vast creative moments that have been occur that it has been doing, acting in, over the last 13.7 billion years. And as an aside, one of the most helpful ways we can, go, can really grapple with this is to simply take a day trip over to New York City and go up to the Museum of Natural History and visit the new wing, what's well, been there for maybe 20 years or so now, um, but the wing called the Rose Center for Earth and Space and experience the most current most significant and most beautifully presented story of the emerging of the universe from its beginning 13 billion years ago until the present moment, documented by the best imagery, the best pre presentations that money can create. And so what it suggests is that the universe is itself involved in what is emerging and that there has never been a moment from the beginning until now when this deeper non-material non-physical aspect of itself there's never been a moment when that wasn't present and when it shows up in earth as a living planet it suggests that life was always implicitly there and it took that long for life to emerge as planet Earth. And even more significantly for us, consciousness, thought, sentience, feeling, emotions, creativity, freedom, showing up in the human had to have been a dimension of the universe from the beginning. And like the story of the seed, life humans are remembering the entire story of that original primal seed, the energy of existence itself.
So that suggests that you and I are the universe in the form of you and me. And that myself and yourself has a greater self out of which we have emerged. And that we have been called into life in our individual intimacy with the genetic endowment of our ancestors through an unbroken sequence of events from the beginning right until now suggests that we are not accidents. We aren't just guests here. That the universe didn't come this far to bring us into this most recent phase of our human endeavor, which we might call the industrial era, where without this sense of rootedness in the whole, we have simply been a force unleashed on the planet, creating toxic substances in our laboratories, interfering everywhere we can in this image that we're supposed to redesign nature and make it better than it was originally, being forced-fed to behave in what's called an industrial growth economy, which has as its after effect the actual disintegration and detoxification of the whole community of life that it took 13.7 billion years to create. And that this calling we have to be born now has a deep, deep capacity inside each of us to respond with the gifts that we have been given and to realize that the immensity of the universe, of our galaxy, the Milky Way, of our solar system, of our planet, of its five billion years of careful evolving of the exquisite life forms that we take for granted is not something to be bought or sold. It's not a resource to be mined or timbered. It's not a thing to be used for some abstract belief system. It is a presence. It is a mystery so profound and so sacred, inviting us into bringing forth in ourselves still yet unrealized potential for flowering the full depth of our humanness, personally and collectively as a species. So we live in times of great peril, as philosophers say, and times of great promise. But the promise has to be accepted. The difficulty of shifting from where we are to where we want to um, bequeath our children is, in, is, as Thomas Berry says, an arduous task. But everything we need is given us. We just have to cross over into a, a, a view of life that is rooted in this deep time perspective rather than the narrow perspective historically given to us between presidential elections.
it's a, it's a betrayal of who we really are. We have to do it, but that's not enough. We are called by a, by a much greater past and a threatened future to act now in the ways that are possible. And I think this is what faith is about. It's having the capacity to carry on, even in the midst of that, but paying a deep attention to, this, to the depths of our own voices, our own self, which is a dimension of Earth self. I would like to end with a short poem by Adrian Rich that speaks to this um, challenge and opportunity of moving over a threshold into a new sense of reality. She says, either you will go through this door or you will not go through. If you go through, there is always the risk of remembering your name. Things look at you doubly, and you must look back and let them happen. If you do not go through, it is possible to live worthily, to maintain your attitudes, to hold your position, and to die bravely. But much will blind you. Much will evade you. At what cost? Who knows? The door itself makes no promises. It is only a door. And across the billions of doorways, thresholds, the universe it has passed in its own self-evolving, this one we are graciously invited to open. Now is the accepted time, not tomorrow, not some more convenient season. It is today that our best work can be done and not some future day or future year. It is today that we fit ourselves for the greater usefulness of tomorrow. Today is the seed time. Now are the hours of work, and tomorrow comes the harvest and the playtime. May the prayers of our hearts and the songs of our lips shared in this holy hour of worship be with us now and all to the days to come. As we extinguish our chalice, chalice, our worship has ended. Let our service begin.